I have wondered sometimes what to do with that thing whenever it quits working while I'm trying to use it. And I have some advice from people like Michael and different ones. Well, the first thing you do is try to reboot it. And so, you know, that works sometimes. It really does. I guess I, I don't understand everything behind it. But I know that when I reboot it, most of the time it, it comes on and it starts working at least halfway decent. And so I guess uh, it had a new beginning. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit tonight, a new beginning. Is there anyone here that has not from time to time needed a new beginning, a reboot, a new start? Perhaps because they just needed something and they needed to restart themselves and start over. You can't help but think about when you obey the gospel of Christ, when you became a Christian. Now you may not have had the problems or been as deep in the old world as some people were, myself included. But I knew that when I wanted to change my life, I knew there had to be a new beginning. I knew I had to put all of those things past in my past behind me. I was a little bit confused in how to go about that, but I had been taught for years that I needed to obey the gospel. And so that comes to my mind, my mother, my father, my grandmother, those individuals that were Christians, they would teach me that. And so I came home one time and I told Nancy, and she had been taking our daughter to Bible study uh, at that time, and I told her, I said, tomorrow I want to go to church with you. She said, yeah, sure. But we did. We got up that morning and we went to worship service. I'd been there before. It wasn't anything new that I had not done when I was a small child. But when I became a teenager, when I became of age and such as that, then I decided I, I just wasn't, wasn't wanting that. I wasn't wanting God in my life. But in that particular time, I needed that. And so I went and the preacher came to our home a week later and began to study with Nancy and I. And that very day we went to the building, the old Winter Road congregation, and both of us were baptized into Christ. And you know something, I, I don't, I, I'm not bragging, but I'm just saying from that day forward, Oh yes, we made our mistakes, I made mine. But from that day forward, I never desired, didn't want to go back into the world because I knew of that new beginning that I had had. I want to read a verse from the American Standard Version. Please, you ought to like this, American Standard Version. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 17, Wherefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old, is the old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And that is very true. When you obey the gospel, those old things are passed away. 
And when you look at Romans chapter 6, that's exactly what the Bible is teaching. It's teaching when you obey the gospel of Christ, there are things that you need to think about in your mind and also continue and start in a in-depth study of God's Word. We start out by reading. I started out by reading. I thought to myself, I'll begin in Genesis and, and I'll read clear through the Bible. And I did. And that gave me a synopsis. It gave me a direction that I needed to go. But as far as me having much knowledge, I, I didn't have that because I didn't pay attention. But when I really began to study, and that's how you begin. And my grandmother told me, and my grandfather told me years ago, along with others, that if you can learn to read, then you can do anything. And I kept that in mind. And we do have God's Word that we can read and that we can study. And since that time, I found that I am a new creature. I have a new mindset. I have a new thrust in my life. And it's not what the old things were because they were cast away. I didn't longer any need those things, nor want them. But I know that as I look at the Word of God in Romans chapter 6, it taught me very indeed that I am a new creature. I did not desire to live in the world, nor in a sinful manner or anything such as that. But I wanted to please God. And if you desire enough to please God, then you're going to have a new beginning every now and then. We'll wake up and we'll say, I need to think of things that are new. Look, if you would, at individuals in the Bible. We're going to pull out just a few. Now, the God of new beginnings is the title of this lesson. And there are those that were offered a new beginning. If you look at John chapter 8, verses 3 through 8, uh, verse 11. And it said, And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. In other words, there was a woman, she was taken in adultery, in the very act of adultery. Now this means she had a husband I don't know whether she had children. I don't know anything about that. It doesn't say that, but the word adultery itself means that she did have a husband. And so therefore there was other people affected, not only her, but others were affected by the sin. And they, it says, and when they set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act in other words, I, I don't know what was going on, but she was caught in the very act. Now Moses in the law, it says here, commanded us that such would be stoned, but what sayest thou? And they were trying to trip up Jesus. He had been preaching a gospel of peace. He had been preaching and teaching unto them that things in Christ Jesus are different and we have those things that we can count on now, the gospel of peace. And when they said, Moses commanded us that she should be stoned, but what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, and so they were trying to trick him. They didn't genuinely care about the woman. They didn't care about her husband. They didn't care about if she had children. That was not what they cared about. They did not care about the other individual. But what they cared about was them trying to tempt or to test 
or to put Jesus to a test in hoping that he would fail the test. Into which they could not be a judge of that anyway. It says that they might have to accuse him, but Jesus stepped down with them in his finger and he wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, and it seems they continued to pester him and ask him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast a stone or the first stone at her. And again he stood down the rope on the ground, and they which heard it, being convinced that by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest. Even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself, he saw none of the but the woman. They had all scattered. They had all gone their way. And he said unto her, Woman, where are those that accuse thee? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Now, a lot of people would take that and say, There it is, right there. Jesus did not condemn this woman, even though she was in adultery. But yet he did. He told her, go and sin no more. What did she need? She needed a new beginning. Jesus didn't condemn her. But he gave her an avenue. He gave her a decision to make that she could go and she could sin no more. Brethren, whenever there are folks and whenever there are things in our lives, it's not a matter of just being caught. It's a matter of when we, our conscience condemns us because we know better, then we are to do some things. We are to go and sin no more. But there has to be that acknowledgement. This woman knew that she had been caught in adultery. There was no doubt about that. She didn't say, no, they didn't catch me in adultery. But Jesus appealed to their conscience, not trying to get them to forget it, nor to forget the law. But he knew their attitude was to tempt him, or to test him, trying to bring him down. But that was not a possibility. Another individual offered a new beginning is Saul of Tarsus. You and I read a lot about Saul. And it's been said many times, and I've said it myself, the first time we meet the man, we don't like him. Because he's standing there, and at his feet are clothing. of one called Stephen. And as he was standing there holding the clothing of Stephen, because there were those that when Stephen told them the truth, they didn't like it. And so they wanted to stone him. And Saul happened to be there. Now I can imagine, and, and I try to get mental or word pictures. You might think I'm nutty about this, but I do. I get a picture in my mind of an individual that was brought before the council and he told them the truth. And he told them about the past. He told them about their fathers. And he said, you're stiff-necked, you're unlearned, you choose to be ignorant. 
And so they were very angered, and they took him and out, and they stoned him. Can you feel the first stone? Can you feel that stone? And these are not little pebbles. These are stones. Can you just feel in your own body when the stone connects with the body? The feeling of that? And then another stone, and another, and another, and another. And can you see the gritting of the teeth? Can you see the anger that are in these individuals that Stephen had actually, I guess, offended? That is the mental picture that I get. And I see him bleeding. And I see him on his knees. And I see him there about ready to pass out because you can only take so much. And these were lethal stones. And as the blood began to flow, as he ran down his face, and, and he could not even see probably because of the blood in his eyes, but the Bible says he looked upward in Acts chapter 9 or chapter 6 and he was able he was able to see Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of God. You and I understand that when this occurred, when this happened that there was one called Saul that was there of Tarsus. And then in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 9, verse 17 also, along with that, we see this very same man <clears throat> who was in his heart thinking he was doing correctly by, by punishing, by bringing to persecution God's people. And Jesus appeared to him and brought him to accountability. And to make a long story short, Saul of Tarsus went to a city and there he was baptized and had a new beginning. So when you and I think about new beginnings, think about ourselves, think about how many times we need a new beginning. Each and every one of us do. Now the question might come to you, do I need it now? Do, do I ever need a new beginning right now in my life? And the resounding answer to that is yes. Yes, there is. Every time I commit a sin, every time I do something wrong and I go to my Father in prayer and I ask for forgiveness, that is a new beginning in my life. Because the slate has been wiped clean and I once again have a relationship with my God and Father above. Yes, we can make sacrifices and we can do many things, but let me look at for a moment in the brief time that I have this evening, what are the elements of a new beginning in Christ? And it starts with getting rid of the past. I want to read... I want to refer to just a few scriptures and getting rid of the past. Putting that behind me, beginning again, and be in that relationship with God. Now there has to be the obedience, there has to be the repentance, the confession, and the baptism, Acts chapter 2. There has to be that. 
But a new beginning is just more than going through those steps. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, look at verse 13. Who was before a blasphemer, a persecutor, an injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Paul's talking about himself. This is why I did that, not making an excuse, but telling you a fact. I can go back and I can look at my former life and I said the things I did, I did it because of greed, because of money. That is it. It's that simple. Because I had a love of money, I wanted it. I wanted to have it, so I did despicable things in order to obtain it. Did I do it ignorantly? No. I knew better. But here Paul said, I, before a blasphemer, a persecutor, injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. So he had a conscience that he was doing what was right. First Timothy chapter 1, look at verse 4, 14, And the grace of God was exceeding abundant. Notice he says, with faith love, which is in Christ Jesus. You see, God's grace is abundant. Now grace is not something that you and I monkey around with. God's grace is there everywhere for you and I in order for us to know how to get to heaven is obtainable. We can be right in the grave by, in the front of God by His grace. In Ephesians chapter two, by the way, it says there you go from verses one through eight, actually in nine, it says very simply, we are saved by grace, not by our works, not by something we do to put God in our debt, but by our works. By grace are ye saved. And in Titus, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all expectation that Christ Jesus came into the world to do what? Save sinners, of whom I am the chief. Why won't people admit they're sinners? Why won't people admit that they sometimes go beyond what the, I don't know how to say this exactly, but what the normal person would do. Paul said, I was the chiefest of them. Move your finger on down to verse 16. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern of them which should hereafter believe on him to everlasting life. You see, you and I can have that new beginning. And if you're a Christian today, then that's what you've had, a new beginning. Now how you treat that new beginning, what you do with it is going to be up to you. You can either say, okay, I need to continue on and be a child of God, let my light shine, be that Christian God wants me to be, live a pure life in the sight of God, or I can squander it, one of the two. So we make that choice. And it could be that you need a new beginning. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not saying who does and who doesn't. Now I know we know what sin is. I know when we know that we've done wrong because the Bible tells me so. 
And the only way that's going to go away, the only way it's going to become clean once again, the only way is if I'm willing to repent of that sin and ask God to forgive me. As we talked about a week or so ago about the prodigal son, and confess that to our Father in Heaven and to our brothers and sisters in Christ. could be you're here tonight and you need to do that. It also could mean that you're here tonight and you need to obey the Gospel. A new beginning? Are you willing to repent of your sins, confess Christ before man, be baptized for the remission of your sins? You can do that and that's what you should do. But it also means, my friends, that you need to keep on living the Christian life. Keep on keeping on. Don't give up. Don't stop. Don't let anything deter you. But always make sure that your relationship with God is the way that it needs to be. And that has to be God's way.